You're listening to The Doctor's Companion, brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli, and with me today I have uh, from the uh, from the Fuzzy Typewriter, iFanboy, and uh, Bookrageous podcasts, as mm-hmm. well as a uh, as well as a uh, uh, contributor to Marvel.com and uh, Comic Book Resources. Yes, that's that's everything. I think. Yeah. All right, uh, Paul Montgomery. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, so, uh, today we're going to be, um, because very recently, um, Stephen Moffat, uh, thankfully, um, threw in a little throwaway line into, to like a little prequel thing with the eighth doctor called Mm -hmm. the night of the doctor, where the eighth doctor spoke out loud the names of all of his big Finnish companions, therefore sort of, uh, making all of it continuity, um, which is kind of cool, uh, because, I know a lot of people kind of dismiss the big finish stuff because you can't see it. So it's not real, I guess. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I, I, I think that I've been wanting to do these, these eighth doctor, um, stories a lot more of the eighth doctor now that it's all, you know, Canon. Um, I, and I thought that, uh, I, I really love the Lucy Miller stuff and, uh, I wanted you on the show and you suggested that we do some big finish. So I was like, ah, perfect timing. Let's do this. Um, so we are covering the, uh, the, the first, uh, series of the eighth doctor audio adventures, um, from big finish, the Lucy Miller stuff. Um, and, uh, but before we start talking about that, uh, Paul, why don't you, uh, let everyone know, like sort of like your background with, uh, Dr. Who and, and everything. Sure. Um, it's interesting because if, if you would have asked me that even two months ago, my answer would be entirely different because I just completely went down a rabbit hole with, with big finish. And for me, actually, um, I almost consider myself more of a big finish Dr. Who fan than a fan of, you know, the, the, the modern television series or even the classic TV series. Um, it's, it just sort of hits the sweet spot for me. Uh, the fo- I love the format of of radio drama, and uh, I've I've written some radio drama previously, so it's something that I I really admire when you can tell a great story just with audio. It's a, it's a really interesting creative challenge. Um, but it's it's interesting you mention you know the night of the doctor. I saw that and I was like, wow, that's really interesting. It's cool to see you know McGann as as the doctor again and. I think like everybody else was like, they should do more of this. They should do, you know, people have mentioned like a prequel series or j- even just more specials. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be fantastic. But when he mentioned those names, um, I, I knew that he was referencing big Finnish stuff, but I hadn't met any of those characters yet. Um, and a few friends of mine, uh, Brian and Jay introduced me to the world of big Finnish and they suggested, I, you know, I think you'd really like the eighth doctor. So I started with, the, uh, the, for this first series that we're talking about this evening, and I, I've really, 
Aid is my doctor now, I think. Mm. Uh, he's, he's a real favorite of mine. I'm a big fan of two, seven, and eight, I think, are, are my favorite doctors. Um, and that's, you know, everybody comes at a different place. Uh, I know, you know, some people it's, it's whatever the first doctor, you know, they saw on television was. They feel a real affinity for that character and, and that actor. Um, and I, and I completely understand that. So for a while, for me, it was, it was 10. You know, I think a lot of people started with, with the 10 and years going back in retrospect and, and checking out those episodes. And, you know, I've, I've enjoyed the modern television series quite a bit. Um, but for, but for me, I think Big Finish really turned me on to, uh, to eight and what a different kind of doctor he is. Um, you know, really romantic mm-hmm. figure. Um, and I like the evolution he's, he's gotten to, you know, tr- uh, change and and what's so interesting is that that's all through audio and the cues from the cover art you know on the cds and um and the album art you get to see the the character transform and take on a new costume and everything and Mm -hmm. um you get to see him evolve a little bit and so i uh i I really enjoyed this first series and i really love where this whole you know where the eighth doctor adventures go through what is it four series yeah four series and then it goes into uh, dark eyes then it goes into dark eyes yeah and um so i've i haven't i haven't listened to all of the eighth doctor adventures like all the 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 middle seasons but i've i've i was there for the beginning and i've listened to the end of it and some scattered episodes throughout based on reviews and i've listened to dark eyes and uh and I, th- I think they're pretty pretty amazing so have you listened that's, to any of the have you listened to any of the charlie stuff yet uh, a little bit a little bit yeah yeah um, she's she's her her era is very hit and miss because i think they were still trying to find the balance between classic who and uh and and the modern stuff um but yeah uh, and they're also just finding their way in terms of production yeah exactly when exactly. they introduce her um that's that's really early on in in you know, big finish, almost prehistory. And it's, uh, it, it shows, um, they're still, they're still fun and really interesting. I like the, what is it? The stones of Venice. That was, I thought very interesting one. Um, but no, I haven't, I haven't followed through with, with the Charlie character nearly as much as I have with that, with Lucy Miller. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, cool. Um, well, uh, as, as I was actually just saying with, uh, with, as far as, what is going on with with this series and why they sort of relaunched things um in a in a, in a fashion with the eighth doctor um the background and significance of this of this uh this season of this series uh is that before this you know they were just doing the charlie stuff and um the eighth doctor would have sort of random other companions as well uh, and, and they were just, I think that they were just trying to do, they were trying to format him more into the classic who with the, with the, you know, four part half hour stories. Um, and, uh, it wasn't until this came around where they were like, well, you know, we, Charlie's gone and we still want to do more stories. Um, and BBC since, you know, BBC seven, the radio station plays all of these big finish stories, uh, on, on the radio. Um, they wanted a new series of audio adventures that were formatted more like the, uh, what was on TV at the time. Cause this was, I think this was 2006 when this was coming out. Um, uh, so, so you know, Tenet had just taken over the TARDIS, and it was, and and the show was like kind of 
going nuts. Um, it was it was really starting to get popular. Um, I had just come to America at that point, and um, I think that they made the right choice. Obviously, going with the Eighth Doctor as the the guy that was going to run this new um, Russell T Davies like era of big finish audio. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of comparison to be made to the Russell T Davies era, um, through these, uh, especially in the, um, the, the series finale, uh, human resources. Um, it's very, sure. very yeah. Russell T Davies. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so like, I think that, that it, it ended up being a, a big success. Um, and I think that, uh, I'm just I well I don't know I'm I'm just really excited to talk about all of it but let's let's start with the eighth doctor because you you talked a little bit about the eighth doctor and what you like about the eighth doctor and I think that what makes the eighth doctor more interesting than any other doctor um, past or present is that because the majority of his tenure um, and to say that is kind of an understatement <laughs> uh, the majority of his t- of his tenure is uh, with Big Finish. And, you know, in things like comics and, and books and stuff. Uh, but but predominantly in Big Finish, I feel like there's not a whole lot of um, – there's not going to be a whole lot of, like, backseat driving from Big Finish studios uh, because I think that they're pretty grateful to be having the license that they have and they want to put out good stories. But they're also not going to tell Paul McCann how to do his job. Whereas I don't think that that's always necessarily going to be the case with other doctors. I mean, you know, you you choose someone specifically because, you know, oh, I like their take on it. And that's that's what I want to be the next doctor, I would assume as a producer. But but here, you know, yes, Paul McGann was chosen for that Fox TV movie in 96. But like after that, Big Finish was like, yeah, let's do Eighth Doctor Adventures, but they're not going to tell him how to do his job. So I I feel like Paul McGann as the doctor is really the first doctor that is getting to do kind of whatever he wants with this character. And I think that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, so I, I, I just I really like uh I really like the Eighth Doctor a lot. Um I think that he is great and uh I think that P- I, I was really happy to see him in Night of the Doctor because I think it allowed a lot of people who might not have uh been super familiar with him, uh other than the fact that he existed, um getting to see him in action I think was uh kind of blew blew people away Um, yeah i think he really i think it it raised some eyebrows definitely with some people that i know that are that haven't really investigated you know the classic who stuff and and certainly not big finish um so it's it's he's very what's what's different about i'm trying to articulate he's he's very intrepid he's not and i mean if you compare him to you know seven who i also mentioned as a favorite it's, it's night and day Although they complement each other really well, and you you find that in in some other big Finnish productions, um, where where there's not necessarily interacting, but they play a role in the same stories. Yeah, and um, you know what I'm talking. About. Oh yeah. Um, okay, so he's so he's he doesn't put on all these affectations that I think a lot of other doctors do, um, for good or ill. Um, you know, Seven is a really stylized doctor with the, all the rolling of the R's and everything. Is I'm I'm going to be Scottish, yeah. You know, I'm just I'm going for that, and you know, playing the spoons and, and everything. Um, with with McGann, it's he's much more of a much more of an adventurer. 
um, not a not a nutty professor kind of character, um, and that and that was a little bit uh, off putting to me in the beginning. I said, well, this this could be anybody, you know. Like the, I don't know necessarily that this feels like the doctor to me, but more and more I, I realized that that was what was special about him, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and and yeah, I've, I, you know, I've, I enjoy him here. I also enjoy him um, in the Mary Shelley episodes as well. Oh yeah, those were fun. It's a it's a great little uh, trilogy and another little short story, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of hope that you know we revisit that some at some point. Um, but I th- but I think you know for my money, you mentioned that you know the the whole you know comparison to the Davies era. Um, I think that's that's all about Lucy Miller. Absolutely, um, Lucy Miller is sort of the promise fulfilled, you know, by the introduction of of Rose. Which I I like Rose a lot, but I don't know that they actually went to that place that they could have mm-hmm. with that character because they they latched on to the you know the the romantic relationship. Um, if 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 you're one of those people that that watched you know the Davies stuff and felt like oh I I kind of wish they hadn't gone there with Rose, um, I think you'll like Lucy Miller quite a bit. Yeah, no, I, Lucy Miller. Um, I mean, by the time it's all said and done, which I, I've I've listened to all like all four of these series all the way mm-hmm. through, and by the time it's said and done, I mean Lucy Miller. I I I honestly can't think of a companion I like more than Lucy Miller um, across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucy Miller is um, she's just like the the perfect kind of weird antithesis to the Doctor, which you don't get a lot. Um, you, you get, you get a lot of, uh, companions that they, they compliment the doctor. Um, and that's fine. You know, I, I, I love that. I love, I love my, my two and Jamie and, and, uh, and, and, and my, my 10 and Donna. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, there's something special about the eighth doctor and Lucy Miller in that, they they complement each other by kind of not complimenting each other um because the eighth the eighth doctor is so proper um and he, you know he he can be a little goofy like like any other doctor but he's he's much more um m- much more like serious and and proper and he, lucy is the opposite i mean there's that whole exchange where in immortal beloved where she's accusing him of looking at her bum um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, and it's just, and he's just like, well, I, I, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and, and it's just, it's just fun. And you don't see that interaction much in, uh, in, in Doctor Who between. It's a really, it's a really nice chemistry because, you know, they, they flirt with each other, but it's just because they like each other. It's, mm-hmm. there's, there's no, it's, it's not really a sexual tension at all. Right. And. They haven't, uh, you know, a relation. It, these two together, it's it's really important that it be this doctor, um, because you know, with you know, with say like, you know, four, uh, six, it would be like a like a father daughter kind of thing, or it would be you know like a weird uncle. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, it's just they're they just they feel like friends, and they start off it, they start off as such a great odd couple, but you can tell that the eighth doctor and and McGann himself is really enamored of this person um he get, you know he you can see him grinning as he's you know reading these lines um 
that I, I like this kind of spitfire kind of character and uh, she makes me enjoy adventuring. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about, I want to show you the universe. I want to show you the van, the vast canvas of, of space and time. Uh, it's, I want to see what we can get into together. Mm-hmm. Which, which is not really uh, any other, it's, it doesn't really, um, it's not really any other relationship. I mean, I guess Ten and Donna to a certain extent, but that's you the always... closest, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because Lucy Miller's introduction is actually very similar to Donna's. It is. Um, but uh, it's yeah, that's probably the closest. But you know, because most of the time you get the Doctor and he has this new companion. He's like, "Let's go!" And I'll, here's me monologuing about how awesome space is, and I'm going to show it all to you because I am benevolent and awesome. Um, and that's not really the eighth doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. So let's, let's, let's start getting into the episodes themselves. Um, but before we do, I want to remind you that, uh, dcbservice.com sponsors the show and, uh, it's the site that lets you pre-order all your monthly comic books and collectibles and discounts. Your local comic book shop just can't compete with use DCBS to place your orders two months in advance. Get uh, discounts of 40% off and special discounts, uh, sometimes up to 50% off. Place uh, an order as big or small as you like and ship monthly, biweekly, or weekly with flat rate shipping of only $6.95 every time an order goes out. So thanks to DCBService.com. Uh, lots of Doctor Who stuff on that website. Um, they are actually, because of this show, they are uh, featuring a lot more Doctor Who content on their website, um, which is uh, really, really great. And it means that you guys are listening and, and you guys are uh, becoming customers of DC Service, which is really awesome. So thanks for that. And thanks to them for sponsoring the show. Um, okay, so uh, we're starting off with uh, Blood of the Daleks, parts one and two. Uh, which were written by Steve Lyons and directed by Nicholas Briggs. Uh, Nicholas Briggs being, of course, the voice of the Daleks um, since uh, since 2005. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's been the voice of the Daleks in all these Big Finish uh, audio stuff. And this, actually, this uh, Eighth Doctor Adventures, this, this thing with Lucy Miller, this is the first thing that he got to actually executive produce for Big Finish. Um, and it was off of the success... Uh, and the quality of this that he actually took over the entire range. Um, so, uh, so uh, good on him. He's, he's, he's omnipresent here. and, and, uh, and you will note the, uh, the, you know, the emergence of, of millions of Daleks across the big finish stories there. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so, uh, in blood of the Daleks, uh, you basically, uh, you, you have, uh, the, basically, um, Lucy shows up in the TARDIS and she's just there and the, it was doc- a little weird. Yeah. She's just there. And you're, and I was like, I was like, oh, this is how it starts. And I, 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 cause I've been listening to this and I probably haven't listened to it in probably a year. Um, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe a year and a half, this first episode, I was like, what's going on? Um, and it's funny because I guess originally the plan was that they were going to do the thing where the, the time Lord is there and he's like, Hey, uh, so I'm leaving her in witness protection with you. Um, thanks. And then sort of mm-hmm. leaving, but they were like, eh, it'd be more interesting if we left it a mystery. And then he ends up coming, he shows up in, uh, uh human resources later. Um, but, uh, yeah. So he, he's like, okay, well, uh, this is weird that you just show up here and she's sort of got, uh, amnesia as far as, what she's doing there um but she doesn't seem to be super bothered about her her uh, new location um 
But uh, he he tries to take her home, and they end up on a place called Red Rocket Rising, where uh, these uh, th- this this planet of people are um, about to be helped by this benevolent race of people that turn out to be the Daleks, which, as you all know, uh, not so benevolent. No, um, and. Uh, at the same time, you have this scientist lady who uh, she is going to be uh, – basically, she's trying to make her people stronger. So she combines their DNA with, with Daleks to make a new race of Daleks that are like Dalek-human hybrids and uh, then tells those Daleks they're superior. And being Daleks and all, they're like, oh, we're superior? Great. So we're just going to kill everyone else, including the other Daleks. So we end up with sort of this Dalek civil war breaking out. And uh, and then and then uh, basically they kind of just kill each other. Um, and, uh, and and then the doctor and, and, and uh, Lucy are just like okay well let's let's try and take you home i guess and she's like well i mean i don't have to i guess <laughs> um so it's uh it's 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 good i think that the story is good i don't think it's great it's definitely not their best dalek story um from big finish i i feel like um the problem with dalek stories is they all sort of feel inevitable yes. um and and this this definitely suffers from a big fat case of inevitability because no matter how many times people tell you that Daleks are bad, the doctor's always like, or, or that, that they're that they're good. The doctor's always like, no, really, they're bad. They're really bad, and you all are gonna die screaming. And then they do, and the dollar doctor's just like, well, tried to tell you guys, but no one listens to me. Um, so as so- it, as this whole thing progresses, though, this series and and other series and going into dark eyes this Mm -hmm. doctor has a particular vendetta against the daleks Mm -hmm. and so that's so that adds something interesting because i'm 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 with you there's there's this inevitability to every dalek story and they sort of blend together for me a lot um one thing i noticed in listening to like dozens of big finnish stories in the span of a couple months kind i kind of went crazy um (laughs) The, the one thing I noticed is I really like the way that they handle um, Cybermen as opposed to the way they handle the Daleks, which is inverse yes. to the treatment in, in television. I prefer Daleks on TV mm-hmm. than the Cybermen generally, generally mm-hmm. speaking. Um, but at Big Finish, I, I'm al- I always get a little bit more eager when I see that the Cybermen are going to be involved um, than the Daleks – Probably because the Daleks are so ubiquitous across Big Finish. Mm-hmm. Um, this at least has the, you know, it has the interesting wrinkle of um, Haley Atwell, by the way, from yes. Captain America. Um, coming in and and doing the, the weird DNA splicing and creating her own race of Daleks. And you get to have shootouts between two different Daleks. And their they're, uh, they're sort of death cries are kind of wonderful. Yeah. Um, so sonically speaking... Um, I, I, I thought it was a, it was kind of a fun production. Um, I'm glad this is spread across two episodes, two hour longs, which makes it more like a traditional big finish, um, you know, four episode serial, Mm -hmm. um, where it is two hours instead of, you know, instead of one, um, or less than one hour actually. Um, so I thought, I thought that was a, you know, a big explosive way to start it off. But, but yeah, having Lucy Miller just show up was kind of like, who is this person? Mm-hmm. And they're immediately sort of at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. And it takes a little while for you to, I think, to warm up to Lucy Miller. But once you do, um, 
she becomes your favorite companion. Oh yeah. And it should be noted that, uh, the, the human Dalek hybrids in this are much better than the ones in Daleks in Manhattan. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, story ideas that end up getting shared between the two, uh, ranges, which is really interesting. Um, happens a lot, but yeah, Haley Atwell is, is, is great because, um, she's every once in a while you get like, a celebrity that's like kind of famous now, but wasn't when they were doing the big finish stuff. Have you run into uh, any of the David Tennant ones? Yes. Yet? Yeah. Weird. It's, yeah. yeah. Where he's just a Nazi. That was one of the, one of the first that I listened to. And it's crazy because he's, you know, he's, he hasn't quite gotten his English accent down mm-hmm. from the Scottish and he's playing a Nazi. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a little, that's David Tennant doing a, a, a weird kind of dodgy German accent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's some other ones like this coming up too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a solid story and it's a good introduction for Lucy and, and, and the eighth doctors, uh, I guess, I guess their relationship, um, in a way, of course we get a lot more later, uh, cause I guess they, I guess they are separated for quite a while in this. Um, cause you have the guy in the tin, the tin hat. Uh, who everyone thought was crazy, and then he turns out not being crazy, but eh, still kind of crazy. <laughs> I like that guy. I like those scenes. Those yeah, good. I forgot about those. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. So the next one was uh, horror of glam rock. So Paul, if you'll do the honors. Sure. This is a fun one, and I apologize for the dog going crazy in the backyard. Um. <laughs> so uh, the Doctor and Lucy end up in 1974. And this is basically a love letter to 1974 and glam rock. And it also introduces um, an important character that we'll meet later on in the series uh, at a different age, at a different time and place. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sort it's, of. Uh, an- <laughs> sort of, yeah. Uh, we, we meet uh, Auntie Pat, right? Mm-hmm. And so we get to see her in her younger days. And, and this is just kind of wacky it, it, at first you're like is this a werewolf story what is this and I, I love those stories that sort of feel like doctor who playing on like a uh, you know like a slasher movie or something and then it turns out of course to be something completely different it's it's aliens and you know some some extraterrestrial stuff and and uh so this one um it's a it's a much more light-hearted follow-up after all the, the the Daleks, you know, shooting each other up in the in the previous uh, releases. Um, not my favorite of the series, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I think it what it does is it it really strengthens strengthens that relationship between uh, Eight and and Lucy, mm-hmm. and you find out just how compassionate she is, um, as sort of sarcastic as she is. Uh, she's a really caring person. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, uh, she's very, she's very righteous without being Mm self-righteous. Um, she's a, she's sort of as, as a person and as a, as a companion, because she's this rare Northern, not, um, BBC English speaking companion. Um, she's sort of like the champion of, of the, of the common man, you know? So I think going back to her roots almost um, and visiting her her aunt before she even existed um, is an is is an interesting way to really help flesh out that character. 
Yeah. Well, and I, and two, I think this is the episode. I mean, it's right away, of course, but I think this is the episode where I was like, Oh, I'm going to love Lucy Miller because she just doesn't care of that. She's a time traveler. She's like, ah, whatever. You're my aunt. Hi. Like, yep. and you're like, hey, that's, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> um, and, and it's just, I love how, how sort of like just, she just doesn't care. Like I, I'll tell people I'm a time traveler. What does that matter? Um, which I, I just, I love how flippant she is about the, about the rules or what you would think. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. She's flippant. She's very, she's very matter of fact. Mm -hmm. Um, this, this episode also features, uh, Bernard Cribbins in, uh, in a, in a role as, uh, Arnold Corns, the, uh, music producer, Bernard Cribbins, Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, uh, goes on to play Wilfred, um, Wilf. Uh, Donna Noble's uh, grandfather, mm-hmm. um, which is fun, and I like to uh, I like to imagine in my in my head canon that this is the same person that <laughs> Wilf was kind uh, of works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah. So yeah, definitely not not the best. Um, but I think it's interesting. I like I like the idea of uh, the sound monster um, being a thing uh, or sound aliens. Um, being being sort of like the villain and it's a music story and everything it's a little uh close encounters there yeah. you know like communicating through sound and through music and, and something that you know it's it's a cool idea not exactly enough real estate to 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 cover it to you know to, to entire satisfaction mm-hmm. um but it it is a fun you know it, I'm, I'm i'm kind of I'm kind of astonished each time at just you know when they try to do these big sort of ensemble stories because there are a bunch of characters running around here. Um, but I think ultimately it, it just sort of works as a, as a love letter to that time and to, you know, rambling around and touring with your, you know, mm-hmm. with your modest little rock band mm. kind of works. Um, so, uh, so the next one was immortal beloved. Um, and this one, this one I, I actually think is really great. Um, mm-hmm. This is uh, basically the the Doctor and Lucy. They show up on this this, uh, planet where these uh, supposed gods are running things, these immortal gods, and you find out that they're not so immortal and that these two two kids that uh, the Doctor and Lucy stop from killing themselves by jumping off a cliff because they can't be together in a very kind of Romeo and Juliet fashion, they find Mm -hmm. out that they're actually clones of the rulers and that – the rulers of this planet, they just keep cloning themselves and then transporting their mind into the bodies of their clones uh, and taking over the younger body. And they've just been doing this for like just ad infinite. Um, and uh, it's it's kind of it's it's dark, but at the same time, it's kind of a fun story um, in that it's just really good. Um, it is. Um, and I, I, this is cool because even in a short period of time, the way that they parcel out information and mm-hmm. – um, kind of, I guess the world building, I guess you would call it. Um, as you open up with this, this, you know, murder suicide situation and who are these people and why are they referring to each other as gods? And, and wait a minute, there's walkie talkies and helicopters, but they don't call them that. Mm-hmm. And who has all of the information? And then when you actually get to the encounter, uh, this confrontation between the doctor and the, the, the man who's calling himself Zeus, um, it's like, you're not telling them everything that you know and you find out that, this Zeus guy was actually the pilot of sort of a vast, um, sort of like a colony ship. It sounds like, mm-hmm. and they and they end up on this planet, and he, uh, 
eventually usurps, you know, the whole system and, and becomes their, their lord and leader and adopts classical mythology to establish this very creepy system where he's going to live forever. And I forget how old he said he's been, but like he's been doing this for a while. Yeah. And basically you, you know, you, um, you create these clone clones of yourself that, that age naturally and you raise the, them as you raise them as and <laughs> as your kid, but then also so they're like, they're like page boys sort of, um, right. and, and, and handmaidens and stuff. And, and, uh, you know, you, you can't transfer, you know, your synaptic activity too early, um, because the pathways aren't, aren't there yet biologically for them. And if you wait too long, then they've become too much themselves basically, which is kind of a creepy idea. They've, like they've moved in for good, you know, and you can't you can't push them out necessarily. So you got to get them sort of at this this prime period period in their teenage years, basically, and and uh, and then you can take over their body. And it's uh, it's a pretty creepy idea. It it um it comes to a conclusion pretty quickly. It's kind of it's almost like a blink and you'll miss it kind of ending mm-hmm. uh, resolution to, to the story. So I, this is one where I wouldn't mind if, you know, Moffat was like, Hey, I'd like to borrow that. And, Oh yeah. And do, you know, uh, like a two episode kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, it's a, it's a really neat idea. And it's the, it's the whole fun of science fiction is to, you know, to explore, you know, ethical ideas and, and concerns. And so, you know, cloning is a huge issue. So I, and it's a and it's a and it's a fun way to go about it, you know. Cloning stories, you know, can be very sterile. This has a lot of character to it, mm-hmm. you know. Imposing that, you know, the mythological hierarchy on it is uh, it's really fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and then of course uh, Zeus is played by Ian McNeese, who uh, who went on to do reoccur as Winston Churchill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and then Jake McGann, uh, Paul McGann's son played Ganymede. Um, I didn't notice that. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I guess it's a big finish debut. Um, and then he, uh, he comes back and plays another character later on. Um, his grandson, if you remember, I don't mm-hmm. know if you got to those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, this is like his first, uh, day, big finish debut. And then he went on to play a more major character, which is uh, a lot of fun. Um, all right. So we, before we get to the, the next three stories, uh, I want to remind you guys that uh, we're sponsored by InStockTrades.com, which is the site where you can purchase any hardcover or paperback graphic novel collection. It's currently in print massive discounts of 25 to 45% off. And if that's not good enough for you, check back on Wednesdays for new release specials of 50% off every week. Uh, and remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com. Uh, lots of IDW Doctor Who stuff there, uh, always in stock. Um, uh, yeah, in stocktrades.com. Uh, okay, Paul, Phobos. Phobos. Uh, this, this is interesting because there's a Deimos episode later on, uh, not this series, but eventually, mm-hmm. um, within the eighth Doctor Adventures. Uh, I don't know why the Doctor constantly returns to Mars in its moments. <laughs> Bad things always happen. I guess the same could be said of Earth, but um, I always imagine that there are there are other you know trips that we don't see where he goes to Earth, and it's just pleasant and nice. <laughs> and but I just imagine like every time he's you know on Mars, it's just terrible. Um, but it's not you know 
it's 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 not the usual big bad when he goes to Mars this time. Uh, this one's a little bit more nebulous. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at the cover of this, and you've got a snowboarder <laughs> racing towards a giant hand. And this is a this is a kind of ridiculous episode where it's uh, very Scooby Doo. It's yeah. Um, and they actually reference Scooby Doo. Oh, that's right, they do. Yeah. Yeah. In the yeah. In Good old Lucy. Denouement. It's a, yeah. Um, <laughs> leave it to Lucy. So yeah. So that this is uh, Phobos has become a pleasure hunter, thrill seeker kind of uh, escape planet where you can go and do insane things like base jumping into an endless crevasse and there's a lot of mountain climbing going on and um it, you know this this whole sort of like extreme sport mountain dew alpine kind of situation that's that's the kind of vibe that it comes up um, it feels slightly outdated i'll be honest like yeah the whole the, the, extreme sports thing wasn't that like 99 98 I don't know. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's a little. <laughs> it reminds me of what was it in like Harold and Kumar go to White Castle and they do like the extreme kayaking through the yeah the convenience store and yeah so uh, it's it's a little like that but um so that so uh, the doctor and and Lucy uh, end up there and uh, and I like I, I kind of like the beginning where Lucy just stumbles out into the into the into the cold and. Uh, she's basically, it sounds like she's fallen into a snowdrift or something. And, and, uh, the doctor is, is, is not being as compassionate as she would like and, and helping her out and, and, uh, you know, stumbled on by these extreme sport guys. And so ultimately it's about, there's a evil God from another reality that is crossed over into some kind of, kind of bridge, um, through one of these crevasses and, it feeds on fear, but not too much fear. There's, <laughs> there's a, only there's the a, good kind of fear. There's a lot of equivocating in the um, in the explanation in in the exposition towards the end of this, um, where you do get the the Scooby Doo villain guy basically saying, "Yeah, I've been running this whole resort thing, and I've been drawing people here to, you know, to feed this, you know, this entity," but it's. It's equivocating. It's it's like it, it it likes fear, but not. It can't be too much. It's it's basically what the way people describe why they like horror movies. Like I like being scared, but I don't want to be, you know, too scared. Mm-hmm. I just like that little bit of adrenaline rush. And so this is kind of kind of an odd one for for an hour long, and not my favorite kind of villain. You know, when it's it's this this presence really. Yeah. Um, there's, there's nothing too concrete about it. Right. Um, what I do like, I, I like the, um, I, I at least like the concept of this other, you know, Romeo and Juliet kind of character where one is, is this huge alien. And what is, what is Lucy's uh, compares, compares him to like Hagrid? Yeah. It's like, he's like really big and I, I don't, have we seen that species before in other Doctor Who adventures, or is that no? I think that's thing? I think that's just something they made up. It's just like he's and then they modulate the voice so he's you know he sounds like Andre the Giant or something basically, and he's right. and he has this small human wife, and they're on the run because his family is really concerned about the bloodline and you shouldn't be you know interbreeding with other species and stuff. And we find out that she's pregnant, and that kind of goes away. 
Um, but yeah. that, so that was kind of that was kind of interesting. Um, I like them as, a lot. It's funny though, watching or listening to it this time, I was just like, I, I was like, oh, it's reminds me a lot of Saga. Huh? <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, it is yeah. kind of like Saga. Um, and it's like this is the more interesting thread here. Yeah. Yeah, this is this one. Phobos I, reminds me a lot of Horror of Glamrock. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like they're they're very similar stories because, uh, I mean, this isn't technically a bottle episode, but it kind of feels like we don't go anywhere <laughs> in it. Um, so so it feels sort of like we're trapped in a diner again. Um, it's well, it's it, it you know, it's especially that because they tack on we haven't mentioned this this thread through the season through the series of this this headhunter right chasing lucy and she just sort of pops up in random episodes and it it doesn't feel very organic to the story it feels especially inorganic here yeah although Um, i gotta be honest i i do prefer that kind of serial that kind of like separated serialization um over what Moffat has been known to do lately, you know, mm-hmm. um, the over serialization. Uh, I like their sort of uh, Marvel movie approach to serialization. This feels to me like like the the cracks in the wall mm-hmm. because you can kind of put that in any story. Yeah, you know, like there's oh there's I noticed a crack, and yeah. so it feels a little bit like that. So it it's not necessarily. I mean, it, it definitely doesn't feel like part of this story, but it. You know, it's not breaking away to another sequence that takes you out of that bottle, as you know, as you said. Right, right. Um, this also uh, the way that the doctor fights this this fear alien, fear monster. Um, you know, he starts saying like, "Oh, feed on me and all the things I'm afraid of." And the reason I want to point this out in particular is because he makes this reference to to like all the things that I'm afraid that I might do in the future. Yes, which is sort of big finishes like big finish has this fun way of tiptoeing around uh the new who continuity where mm-hmm. they're technically not allowed to reference it yes. but then they still kind of do in like weird backhanded ways um like that and and it's getting it's getting more apparent you know like you look at the references that are made in dark eyes and you're like well obviously he's talking about the time war yeah they're skirting really close in, yeah, in dark yeah. eyes to the we, point that you're like what is what is the chronology here like like how you know how many how many years how many weeks is it until you know the time wars right um so i'm almost wondering if big if big finish isn't about to get the new who license or at least the license to the russell t davies era because they do seem to be making more and more references i mean another thing that we didn't talk about in uh or no in the next story there's there's those creatures those vortosaurs which were they first appeared in storm morning but they're very reminiscent of the of the creatures from um father's day oh yeah yeah, yeah. um but uh yeah the pterodactyl kind of things right yeah exactly feed on time yeah yeah um but yeah no i think i think phobos uh phobos is just i mean if it wasn't for lucy like it lucy kind of makes the story because she she has her little snide comments with everyone um and she has her little adventure with the uh with the with the the pregnant woman um which is which is fun uh so like that's kind of what makes this um, if it wasn't for that, it's pretty forgettable. 
especially with the whole extreme sport thing. Oh yeah, and then the uh, the the guy, the 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 um, is it the Scottish guy who is uh, like attracted to his American friend? It's like yeah. always following him around, and they reference it, and then like they don't really call back on it um, because uh, they're like about to, and then the headhunter wakes up, and they're like, "Oh, let's not talk about this anymore." And I was like. Oh, <laughs> much more interested in this emotional place you're going than uh, with the headhunter, but that's okay. Yeah. Um. So, uh, no more lies. Uh, which is the next story? I really love this one. This um, is a cool one. This is really great. Uh, no more lies. What's what? What I think stands out about it right away is that we come we come in like not. In, at the beginning of the story, not even really in the middle. We come in at the end of the story, yeah. um, where Doc. I was like, th- "Wait a minute, did I miss an episode? Like, is this a, is this part two of something?" And, and I was like, "No, okay, well, I, that's I'm actually impressed. That's cool that yeah, you're doing yeah. something as ambitious as that." Yeah, so uh, as, as as ambitious as that would be on TV, it's even more ambitious in audio because you're e- you're even more. It's, it's even more jarring. Oh, like, where yeah. am I? What what's going on? <laughs> Absolutely. Who are those people that they're talking about? Yeah. So, yeah. so the doc, the doctor and Lucy are um, chasing this uh, this criminal time traveler named Nick Zimmerman, and he Nick's. is he is basically um, he's trying to sell time travel technology to uh, to the highest bidder, um, and they've been chasing him around for a while. Um, and then they fi- he finally escapes and they chase him down and they find him on a planet <laughs> garden party and he's aged 30 years and he's like, oh, hello, friends. Welcome. I haven't seen you in so long. Oh, well, this is great. And mm-hmm. then uh, the doctor realizes like he, he ran away, uh, met a girl, got married and he's been married to her for 30 years. Um, and except that she's, um, she's dying and she's on her last day and he has set up a time loop so that they keep re-experiencing her last day alive over and over and over again so that she, he doesn't have to say goodbye. And, uh, the doctor and Lucy just happen to, uh, enter into this time loop and they have to sort of convince him to stop it because, He's, they've got the, the Vortasaur shows up and, and the, the Tar Modoc guy. Tarmodox, um, yeah. Tarmodoc guy shows up and, and everybody's just like, oh, yummy, yummy time stuff. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and yeah, and then, and then the story ends with, uh, the headhunter finally showing up and kidnapping Lucy and, uh, and the doctor going to look for her. Um, but this is, this is really great and, uh, and it's, it's great in the same way that Immortal Beloved is because it's just a really interesting use of, of science fiction and, and to tell a really emotional story, um, which is uh, really great. I the whole the, the time loop thing, it just it, it feels like such a such a classic science fiction idea of uh, especially this this never ending garden party and people his brother in law experiencing, you know, deja vu. Like, didn't we talk about this? I remember but no, I guess we didn't and what that would do to you. So it's, and it's not exactly like, you know, Groundhog's Day or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's a little bit different. It's, it's just a really elegant idea. Like you'd see in like a, like a Bradbury short story or, or an Asimov story or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's a really, it's a really bittersweet kind of ending too, um, because she realizes that she's sort of culpable for all this, this, this prison that she's trapped them all in. Um, 
because she, you know he feels beholden to to keeping her alive through creating this time loop and um so you've got all that stuff and then you get the crazy stuff like the tarmadox going around and eating people's time and mm-hmm. you know you have to imagine what that looks like because they don't describe it they but you just you hear it mm-hmm. you hear them coming up to a person and them screaming and you're like is it like the end of raiders of the lost ark where they like they melt <laughs> you know and their their eyes turn in like gumballs and stuff and then the you know the color runs down their face is it like that or is it like or is it like the end of uh last crusade where they <laughs> right. just like turn, yeah you know, is, so it, is it like indiana jones or indiana jones this is indiana jones um, and then it could be other things too and then and you sort of have to, you know, just just imagine what the whole process looks like. And I, I kind of love that theater of the mind aspect to it. And mm-hmm. um, and I and so I love that dissonance of having, you know, pterodactyls like creatures flying around and these big hulking monsters, you know, stealing time from people and and uh, and and the, just the over the top ideas like that to something like, uh, you know, a never ending loop of a of a garden party. Um, because, uh, you know, an old man doesn't want to say goodbye to the woman that he loves. And, uh, this is one where, sure, they could, they could maybe do a, a longer version of this and, and explore more of, you know, of, of, of Zimmerman. But this is, I think, probably the best use of, you know, the hour long episode in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, uh, Immortal, Belo- Immortal Beloved is a, is a great concept. It needs a little bit more real estate. Here, it's it feels just right. Mm-hmm. Like they knew exactly, you know, what how where to spend, you know, their time and and how to do it wisely. And it adds something to to the mystery that you you come in on the sort of the the ending of their confrontation and hunting him down. Um, yeah, because and the performance is so good. That I believe how dangerous this guy is, mm-hmm. but also that turn where it does feel like thirty years has gone by and he's maybe turned his life around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, and I and and two, it helps with uh, I think the relationship between the Doctor and Lucy. Like they feel like they've been traveling together for years at this point. Yes, um, they do. when you when you pop in and Lucy's just like all in action mode, I was like, whoa. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's. It's it's just great. It's great because it just feels like we've missed a lot of adventures, and that's actually one of the things that I really excites me about Doctor Who as a concept. Like I don't like it when the episodes, uh, the stories, like bump right up against each other um, mm-hmm. or overlap mm-hmm. in any way because I like the idea that I'm missing stuff, which is a weird. Uh, weird thing to have but for whatever reason with doctor who i do like that i'm missing adventures with them um because it means that you can fill them in later or yeah know. i like i like that too you can you can fill it in later in terms of you know the showrunners can fill in that later or someone you know writing a novel or, or writing a you know an audio play can do right. that but then also i just like the idea of these characters having larger lives mm-hmm. and it, and their their relationships not being limited to what I see because, you know, you get these short seasons and that and that's it. Like you know the the amount of of screen time that the you know the Doctor spent with Ace, another one of my favorite companions, or um, or or with Martha, um, it's infinitesimal. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's nothing. It's like it's you can count it. You know, on your fingers basically in terms of the hours that you've seen and so 
I want to know that they've had a bigger life and, and their, their relationship extends beyond that. So I'm okay with not knowing. Um, I like, I, I like the mystery of that. I agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, so, uh, human resources, the series finale. This is, this is fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's, here's the other thing. Okay. So you, you sort of know looking at the box art and everything that, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be a Cybermen story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 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 it's very, it's, it's not a, a whole big Cyberman story though. It's not, it's not a, it's not a Cyberman story in, in, in the same way that, you know, the, the series opener was a Dalek story. Um, there's, this has a whole, this has whole other things going on. I really like uh, this two parter, especially the first part. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can imagine listeners being divided on that because most of the Cyberman stuff is in the second half. And that's where a lot of the action is. Um, but that's also where the, the headhunter stuff is. And I'm not so enamored with the whole headhunter arc through this series. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels a little bit haphazard. Like, okay, what, why is she chasing her? What, what are we going to do here? We have to sort of, you know, tie this up here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much better like, in, in series two. Yes. Yeah. I'll agree with that. Um, so this is sort of like playing on that Joss Whedon idea of the banality of evil. Um, <laughs> we're getting kind of an office space pastiche homage uh, in, in the, the world of Doctor Who. And we find out that this, you know, this job that Lucy, um, you know, interviewed for, she ends up there and it's, it's sort of, it's like the Matrix meets office space. Mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, this you know, this cubicle realm where there's a lot of, you know, stupid, you know, uh, inter-office politics and data entry, really boring and gray and very relatable stuff. If you've ever done a data entry job or worked in a cubicle and, um, casual sexual harassment in the workplace, uh, and, and, and weird interpersonal relationships, but it turns out they're actually in a giant robot roaming a dead planet um built for war and all of the stuff that they're doing all the stuff they're having meetings for and all the strategy sessions it's actually a veiled way to sort of farm strategy for war um it's like they're in it's like they're working for dunder mifflin but whenever they're talking about paper they're actually coming up with ways to decimate you know a whole society, whether it's for revenge or terraforming or whatever. And you find out that one of the guys who used to be trapped in there as one of these drones, uh, ended up usurping it from the lizard person who originally ran this operation. And now he's, you know, working for, you know, the highest bidder or whatever, and he'll go to a planet and, you know, raise it, uh, using these office drones who don't know that they're inside of a giant mech basically. It's such a fun idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is the height of Doctor and Lucy, you know, fun. Just I, I love the the bit where she's basically she's terminated from the job, she's kicked out, and she's out on the planet, and she's looking. She's like, "Oh my god, the building is just it's a giant weaponized robot thing," and and she calls the doctor on, on a on a phone. And he says, are you sure? And she will take a picture of it. And she actually, and we get to hear all the, the sound effects and she takes a picture and sends it to him. And he calls back and you get this wacky, you know, ringtone. And he's like, yep, that's what that is. <laughs> you should get out of there right now. 
Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so much fun. Like I, I just, I, I love the, the, it's just so, it's so mundane. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it just, it makes it so much better. And just, <laughs> just that whole scene where she gets fired is, it's just so funny because the one, the, her friend gets fired and she's like, well, she was only being held back because of me, because I'm new. She didn't know any better. And he's like, oh, well, you're fired too then. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, just, oh, it's, it's, it's great. And then the doctor just gets a job, like just gets a job. He just shows up. Just gets up. a job, just shows up. <laughs> it's, um, and it's kind of, it's a, I was really listening to it again. I was really impressed with how they get across the exposition of how this, this guy took over the job. And, uh, from, he he said for this gentleman, I say a gentleman, he's more of a lizard really. (laughs) And, um, under the guise of being a client, like a potential, a potential person who's going to, you know, hire him to raise his planet. And he mentions Gallifrey and the guy hasn't heard of Gallifrey before. And he just, you know, he just tells him everything, but it's, it's not like a James Bond villain explaining here, this is what I'm doing. And, you know, the, you know, the buzzsaw is going and he's wasting time. It's natural because this is his sales pitch. This is his job. And so they come up with a really organic way of explaining what is going on here. And, uh, so I, I I was really impressed with it. Really funny scenes. Like, and, you know, um, talk about Lucy being flippant when, you know, the, their, was it Jerry, their supervisor is talking to her friend Karen and, being very offensive and and then he starts you know sort of hitting on 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 Lucy or or flirting with her at least and she's not having any of it mm-hmm. like uh-huh and, she, <laughs> and just not humoring him at all um and that same character uh later on gets a call from, from the cybermen <laughs> um and they're basically saying to you know give up and and you know, you know we want to talk to your leader and everything and and uh and negotiating uh in war terms and he thinks it's you know one of the guys at another branch just making a joke he's like i bet he just uses computer to make that voice it's um great (laughs) moments throughout and uh i this is i think this and um and no more lies are probably my favorites um Mm -hmm. for two totally different reasons this is really good for a a two-parter and and that one's really good for you know a one one unit so mm-hmm. and and you know as far as the cybermen go like the cybermen are just they're used very interestingly here um and and just i, I love how the guy is just like oh yeah no i'll just it, it's fine i'll i'll help you and they're like we don't need your help he's like well i'll just sell out my whole planet then and they're like really you'll sell out your whole planet and he's like sure <laughs> and they're just like well we still don't need you mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but I love that there's that moment of like incredulousness where it's it's just like, really seriously? Um, oh, I love that. Uh, I, cause I, I, I love that it's like a little, little chink in the armor. Um, a little, little humanity comes through, which I just think is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 I love the Cybermen in, in big finish. You're totally right. There's, um, there's a, I want to say it's, 
I don't know if it's a trilogy or if it's a four part series of uh, the sixth doctor with uh, Jamie, the second doctor's companion Mm -hmm. um, with with, that involves the Cyberman. And it is uh, hands down my favorite Cyberman story I've ever heard. It's incredible. That's Um, cool. I got to check that out. Yeah. Oh, you, you, I haven't listened to a a whole bunch of, of six. I've just sort of started getting into his stuff. Yeah. You will love Jamie though. Yeah. Jamie's great. Um, You, you will love Evelyn Smythe. Um, I don't know if you've listened to any of her stories yet. Oh, yeah. I've listened to the first one. Oh, really she is good. a great companion. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's like Professor McGonagall tra- traveling with the doctor. It's great. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so this, this is, this is uh, human research is great. And I think it's a, it's a great um, ending. And, and you get sort of like a tease with the headhunter. And, uh, and uh, is, it, is it Karen? Karen? Um, Karen, yeah. Yeah, like the, the typical like girl from the office name. Um, Karen and the headhunter sort of team up and, uh, and, and, or I guess the headhunter hires her as her assistant, um, setting up things to come in season two, which I think is, uh, really fun. And, and, uh, Lucy's free to go home and she's like, yeah, I don't want to. And then they're cool. But she makes the doctor ask her first, which Mm -hmm. I I love. And then she's like, I got you. Where are we going? <laughs> um, which is uh, it's it's just a lot of fun. Um, I, uh, I I love this. I think it's a it's a really great first series of this. Um, and the craziest thing is that this is f- far from the strongest of these four. Um, it just kind of keeps getting better. Yeah, uh, when you get, I mean, you know, by by series four, it's just uh, you know if you. F- just how how strong this relationship is by the end of this series mm-hmm. it doesn't just sustain that it it you know augments that yeah throughout and there's ups and downs in the relationship it really spikes and it's uh it's a wonderful relationship to to watch evolve absolutely absolutely um all right. Well, that's uh, that's the the first series of uh, Eighth Doctor Adventures from Big Finish. Um, you guys, if you haven't uh, if you haven't checked it out, um, please do because know that we liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you can uh, you know it's 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 Big Finish is not overpriced, especially their like first fifty stories are two ninety nine. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so uh, so go check these out. Um, it's it's well well worth it. Uh, but, uh, Paul, you do lots of things. I do. <laughs> why I'm sorry. Don't, why don't you plug some you of I mean to plug things? the stuff? Yeah, okay. plug all the things. All right. So in terms, in terms of the writing, uh, you can, uh, I'm, I'm sporadically on, on marvel.com usually doing, you know, announcements for, for goofy crossovers and things and, 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 and interviews and stuff. And so that's, that's at marvel.com. CBR, uh, that's, that's the bread and butter. Comic book resources every Sunday, usually around noon. Uh, Eastern time, I have, uh, Sunday conversation, which is a feature that, that I inherited. And it is so much fun where I get to talk to combo creators, uh, writers and artists, uh, about whatever they want, really. Um, we don't have to talk about, you know, we don't have to regurgitate press releases. Um, it's, it's sort of just about what, uh, you know, uh, what extracurricular things they're enjoying. I just spoke to Scott Snyder about, uh, writer of Batman and The Wake and American Vampire about, um, about true detective and uh, his love for television and how he uh, brings that into into writing and teaching writing. Uh, he's a creative writing professor. Uh, what else? Podcasts. Uh, 
Let's see. Book Rageous is, is usually about prose. We mention comics sometimes. We talk about what we're reading and then uh, usually uh, a broader topic uh, each episode. Fuzzy Typewriter is where I talk about story, storytellers, art, and artists. Uh, we talked about every single episode of True Detective uh, and Justified this season. We're going to be talking about Mad Men. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Fatal uh, by Ed Brubaker. And let's see, I fanboy every week, talk about the comics um, every Sunday, um, our favorite books each and every week. So that is what I'm up to. All right. Um, well, uh, guys, if you have thoughts you want to share about this, uh, this episode, uh, go find the post of this episode on mindrobber.net and leave a comment or send us an email podcast at mindrobber.net. Uh, if you like Veronica Mars, go check out the Mind Robbers Versus, which is uh, where we talked about every episode of Veronica Mars leading up to the movie. And we should be doing a bonus episode very shortly about the uh, first Veronica Mars novel, which was nice. very, very good. Um, so uh, go check that out. But that's the end of season two of the Mind Robbers Versus. And then season three is launching sometime in May. And we're going to be covering uh, the, the Joss Whedon Quadfecta, which is uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, Firefly, and Dollhouse. Um, so that's coming very, very shortly. Also, the Mind Robbers is the flagship podcast of, uh, of MindRobber.net. And that is where we talk about all sorts of things, basically whatever entertainment we've consumed or anything that we want to talk about on the show. Uh, we talk about there, uh, we do a movie pick each week. We usually have a main topic that inevitably becomes, uh, either, either a couple of pilots where we, we talk about those or, uh, or we, uh, we, we talk about like a season of television. It's usually TV, almost always. Um, and then we talk about comics and, and whatever else. If you're on Twitter uh, and you want to know when those episodes are going to hit, follow at MindRobberPod and you'll know the second that they do. Uh, or you can, uh, you, can, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Scott Corelli and Paul is at Fuzzy Typewriter. Uh, and, uh, if you like the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on iTunes because that really helps us out. helps people find the show. Most importantly, be our street team and get out there and tell people about us, get on Facebook, get on Twitter, let people know that we exist and that, uh, you like the show and that they'll probably like it too. Uh, next week I'm going to be, uh, Cassandra Fredrickson is going to be back. And, uh, she's going to be here to talk with me about Tom Baker in the seeds of doom. Um, and, uh, and that's it. Uh, Paul, thank you so much for coming by. Thanks. I had a blast. All right. Talk to you soon, guys. Bye.